Mind Your Mentals podcast is meant to help you name, identify, and understand the disorders that are prevalent in our society. We also strive to help you to understand the science behind the disorders and also understand what it may mean for you, your life, and your loved ones. The concept of mental health is way too broad and ambiguous, and so Mind Your Mentals podcast is here to help you demystify, untangle, and overall just simplify the entire process. Mental health is far from an easy topic, but yo, trust us, we got you. So make sure that you tune in every other Sunday to go on a new journey with Tim, Mal, and their featured guests. Yo, check it. This is the Mind Your Mentals podcast featuring Tim and Mal. Tune in, check in, subscribe, but mostly Mind Your Mentals. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Your Mentals podcast, MYM. Excited today because we get a chance to do something a little bit different. Um, we got another round table, but this time we bring in our wives in to talk about Black love and Black experience and really talk about how you show up within your relationship. So uh, Tim, what's going on, man? You, you back from Jamaica, you back from the islands, you was posted up. How you feel? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> we here. We here, man. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we uh, we we got back what, like a week ago. Um, celebrate uh, birthday, uh, my birthday, and our anniversary, our fifth year. So, so it's just been it's just been wonderful to get away. You know what I mean? And, and celebrate life and celebrate uh, blessings. But um, it's good to get back to get back to work and get back to serving. And you know that's what we do. But it is always good to take some time and take a break and enjoy uh, life. So that's what we decided to do last week. Yeah, absolutely, bro. So happy belated you getting old out here in these streets, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, we also celebrated our anniversary. So anniversaries all around. I think we, we're the fourth. You said y'all the ninth? Yeah, we're the ninth, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's what's up, man. So yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful. So uh six this is year six we six and we've been together almost what almost 12 i think it'll be 12 in uh january of 2022 so we we've been together for a hot minute man but we'll get into all of that definitely how about y'all yeah so <laughs> we've known each other 18 years and this is our our fifth year of marriage yeah mm-hmm. nice that's what's up man that's a beautiful thing and so I think so. First, let let's allow. So, Allison, um, you all, do y'all want to introduce yourselves? Kind of give a background of who you all are. Uh, everybody kind of know Tim and I at this point. We've been talking about who we are, what we do for episodes now. So, I'd love to give y'all a chance to introduce yourselves more formally before we jump into the actual content. Allison, you want to go first? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I was waiting for some direction. Um, uh, so, I'm Allison uh, Malcolm's wife. I work in youth programming. Um, I have a background in theater, consider myself an artist, an advocate, um, an educator, a a learner. Um, And yeah, really happy to be here. Excited to to speak with you all. Awesome. Um, And Allison, it's nice to meet you. Um, And to everybody, I am Dana. I'm Tim's wife. And I am a school leader in a charter school in southwest philadelphia and born and raised in philly in southwest philly so i love that i get to serve there um and give back to my community and i've been in education for i guess 
two decades now. So I've um, been doing this work for a while. And like you said, it's our fifth year of marriage. I'm excited to be here and, and talk about Black love and mental health and whatever else you all throw at us. <laughs> I like that y'all on y'all feet, ready to go. Uh, okay, so let's kind of kick it off here. I guess we could start with how we met. So I'll, I'll kind of lead this off. So we met in seventh grade. Yes. When I moved in middle school. And so what's that? I was 12. What am I? 30 years. Oh my gosh. The math, uh, 23 years. We've actually known each other. We was cool back then. We got a lot of mutual friends. Um, yeah. So we met in middle school. So we met, um, at the university of Michigan, right? Go blue. Uh, anytime I get a chance to shout that out, you know, I'm gonna shout it out. But we we met at Michigan, and um, we met at the we met in Ann Arbor at the only uh, I would say the only black club in all <laughs> back then. Uh, it's called the Birds of Paradise. <laughs> Anybody knows about it? Uh, this should bring a chuckle to you. But we met there, and honestly, you know, she she chased me down. <laughs> it's, just, it's just what it is. You know what I mean? I would just no let cat. him tell his version of the story. <laughs> <laughs> besides this to say that this is his version but go ahead you can tell your story the way you remember yeah so the way i remember it was you know she chased me down you know she's like oh my god talk, <laughs> talk with, what is that you know what i mean so uh yeah she chased me down no i'm i'm, I'm lying I'm, I'm lying i'm not and i'm not gonna start the show lying like that no i absolutely pursued her um i saw her one time on campus uh walking by she didn't look like she was from Ann Arbor, which is what I like. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I missed the opportunity, but then I saw her again. And um, actually she saw me the second time, but then uh, we just met and we we hit it off, you know, and dated a little bit. I pursued her. She didn't want to date me, but I pursued her. I mean, that's just, it's been history ever since. That's funny. Is that, is that's that a closer word? to the truth. It's closer? That's closer okay. Right. It's close enough. Right. So, so Dana, what's the truth then? we did we met on campus we actually saw each other in passing very early on in the semester and then we met later at a uh it was actually a delta party they were having and um i saw tim from behind and we connected at the bar and he tried to tell me he was from philly even though he's in <laughs> town and it's not the same thing at all but uh, not at all but it's close enough it's close enough um and so we did we met from there and um, I wasn't looking for anything serious and I'm not sure if he was either but uh we started to date casually and it got serious we clicked very quickly um it got serious and yeah we dated for a couple years and it was that on and off kind of thing but now we're on there it is that's all that matters right y'all on now what is <laughs> and Tim, all I got to say is y'all better not lose the Rutgers this year, man, because if y'all do, I'm on you, brother. No, Michigan, I know. Better, <laughs> better not lose the Rutgers. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and so in regards to self, the next question that we wanted to get into uh, was who were you when you met? So we could do who were you when you met or who were you when you actually started like really dating? Because I feel like that part is probably more important, potentially. Who was I when we first started dating? I was still a very wild boy. Uh, I was what, like 24 and a half, 25. I had just come back from college. So I was just sort of getting my life together, trying to figure out if I still wanted to rap or if I was trying to do something different. I was actually still rapping at that point. Um, and Allison and I, similar to y'all story, like we had kept missing each other. Like we had connected, um, 
when she was in college and she had come back and we was talking, I remember I was ranting about one of my ex-girlfriends and then one of our mutual friends, Jean Gain, shout out Jean, she had texted me, it was like, what are you doing? Like you spent the whole time with Allison talking about your ex. So I realized I had fumbled the bag at that point and then I didn't see Allison again for like, man, like two years. And she had popped up on Facebook right around the time that I was leaving Full Sail down to Florida. So this is like 2008 or nine, something like that. And um, I remember texting Jean and another person that we not cool with now. And I was like, yo, like what's going on with Alice? I haven't seen her in forever. And so, you know, I finally got the cosign, like, yeah, holla at her. Like she, she might be ready to holla at you now. She gets, she forgave me for the, for talking about my ex all those years previous. Um, and then we chopped it up on Facebook. And it's funny, I went back maybe like six years ago when I was looking at our Facebook messages um, back and forth talking about how we was going to move to California and, you know, Allison was going to go act in LA. So we, we had even talked about potentially not even like being together because we had divergent dreams and plans. And, you know, thankfully God has something else in store for us and we was able to connect. Um, but yeah, I was, I was still bugging. Uh, I had no direction in life. Um, when I came home, I was unemployed. So the first time we actually ever went out, Allison paid for everything. Um, I'll never forget that. She held me down. And that's pretty much been our relationship, man. You know, when, when one doesn't have, the other one steps up to provide for that person. Because, you know, I think that we realized pretty early on that we had something that we didn't want to relinquish. Um, and so almost 12 years later, we still rocking. So Allison, who were you when we, when we first started dating? A really good question. Around the time that I popped up on Facebook again, um, I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship, somewhat emotionally abusive and was trying to figure out what was next. I had just graduated college and moving back home to my parents. Um, I had an internship that wouldn't pay anything, couldn't pay one bill, bill with that internship. And the recession had just hit that year. So it was just a lot of uncertainty, I think, um, or uncertainty like in professionalism, uncertainty in my personal relationships. Yeah, it was it was sort of a chaotic time, and I still had a lot of growing to do, but felt like I knew everything. So you know how that goes. So let's see. When we met, I was actually in my first year of grad school, and Tim was an undergrad. So I had already sort of had a little bit of experience, like real life, you know, post-college experience under my belt. I had been teaching in New York for a couple of years, and then I went to Michigan for grad school. And so when we met, I was early 20s, very independent. I wasn't much of a relationship person. So I wasn't somebody who who had ever been like, oh, you know, I'm going to settle down. I just want, I just, I like to kick it. And um, when, when Tim and I met, that was my intention. I knew it was going to be a cold winter in Michigan. <laughs> and I wanted to have somebody to boo up with. So I was like, it's good. We got a little, you know, yeah, we all right. Um, this will be fun for a couple months. And um, that was me. I was, I was very independent. I, had, I was a very much a person who I made plans. I stuck to my plans. Um, I didn't really factor other people into that. I kind of knew what I wanted and I, you know, I moved forward on it. And so it wasn't with the mindset of like, we were going to pursue each other and date seriously. Um, I really thought it was going to be something much more casual and it turned into thankfully something very serious, you know, later on. Um, so it was a blessing. Before I answer, I want to just like really recognize like the awareness that 
that you all have answered with, and I'm and I hope to answer with that same awareness of who you were when you talk about being with somebody else, understanding who you were back then, and, and maybe in hindsight you didn't know exactly who you were back then, but your goals and priorities were there, right? You're talking about like having these individual career aspirations, but then meeting somebody else and trying to having to negotiate the what that looks like. So that's deep, right? So that's really deep having like being on your trajectory, being on your plan, but then meeting somebody or have known somebody that you're potentially or maybe not potentially want to be with. Um, and I say that because for me, when we met, I was, um, I very much so to, the, to my heart was a relationship person. I really was. My problem was I didn't know who I wanted to be. Right. So I had a lot of influences. Dana knows me. She knows my background as far as like how important my boys are to me. Like as far as my, my friends, my brothers, like my friends are my brothers. So whatever my brothers did, that's what I did. That was my that was my mentality. That was the way I, I looked at things. And so while I did want to be in a relationship, I also wanted to be out with my boys. So I was a little confused. Say all that to say I was confused. I wanted to finish school, but I didn't know really what I wanted to do next. My boys wanted to go to, to the NFL. So I was going to the NFL too. And it was kind of like really just moving without really being aware of what I was doing. You know what I mean? And we talk about like 20, we met when I was, I think I was 19 or 20 because we celebrated my 21st together. Mm -hmm. I was like 19, 20 years old. So and, you know, you're talking about a sophomore in college and your first year, you just really like take the experience in the second year. You think you know something, but you really <laughs> you really still don't know what you're doing and don't know what you're about. And so I was in that space, right, where like I had been single for a year. I did the single thing, the single athlete thing, just being transparent, wilding out, um, not really looking for anybody at that time. But then my second year, I, I didn't want to do that no more. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't who I was relationship wise in high school. I was with somebody for two to three years. So I wasn't like this dude, which is out doing stuff. But what my boys was doing, I was doing. And so I didn't formalize or really, really recognize how much of an impact that just following the crowd really had on me until, you know, till now. But back then I was just going with the flow a lot of times. And then it wasn't until I met Dana that I realized, no, I like the comfort. She wanted to boo up, but I had other plans. I wasn't, <laughs> I had other plans. Like, all right, cool, we can do it. I gave her that lip, that lip, that lip service. Yeah, we can just chill. But I wasn't about chilling. I wanted to like have somebody to have my back. I wanted to have somebody I could go to after my games, weekends. I didn't want to go party. I wanted to be with her. So we was like together all the time because that's what I wanted. I wasn't. The person who I was really pretending to be my freshman year, that's not who I was to, to, to my truest self. I was somebody who enjoyed the company of one person. I valued um, commitment, I, you know, and I definitely went through some learning curves with that. I wasn't perfect with it, but I value commitment. I value consistency. I value um, assurance. And that's what she provided me. So that's what I really wanted. And it's so interesting to hear you say that because I'm very similar in regards to like, I really appreciate monogamy and being in a monogamous relationship. Like I'm very much a relationship dude, but I have been single 
for like four or five years up until Allison and I had gotten together. And so she was coming out of a relationship. Like I hadn't been in one in forever. And the last time I was in one, it was a super toxic relationship, like a high school sweetheart, quote unquote. That's actually who I was talking to Allison about that day when I was ranting. And so, you know, just hearing you talk about that kind of had me reminiscing at that point, because when we started to go out, it was almost foreign to me. It had been so long since I had a girlfriend. I had to almost retrain myself to be a boyfriend. You know what I mean? Cause like, I just wasn't in that mode. I wasn't in that mentality. And I tell folks, and Allison, I have talked about this, so this is no surprise to her, but for that first year of our relationship, like I was out of pocket. Like, you know what I mean? I was not doing the boyfriend thing. Cause I didn't even know what that was. Right. Like the last time I had been one, I was a kid, I was 19 years old. And so at 24, 25, um, I had to sort of reformulate and redevelop and re-understand what it even meant to be a boyfriend or be in a relationship or have somebody to care about because I hadn't had that in forever. Um, and so that just, what you were saying just reminded me of that whole experience like that really helped shape who I am as a husband for real because I had to learn it. And then, you know, 12 years later, we still learning and still rocking. So, you know, you as you develop and evolve like this, the learning continues. This is the Mind Your Mentals podcast featuring Tim and Mal. Um, and so I know that what we wanted to talk about next is who are we today? So Tim, who are you today as a partner? Oh man, number one, I'm somebody who depends on on God, and and if you and we'll get into this later with me with Dana and I, but God gave me and gave Dana, He gave us each other when we really committed us ourselves to Him. And it was so funny how things came together five years ago, six years ago. I just came out of a relationship at the time. Um, and Dana and I had really not talked for a couple of years. But, you know, there's always kind of this love and care for each other for years, right? But um, because of the mistakes that I made, just growing and trying to figure out who I was, um, just making bad decisions, right? We talk about being in a relationship or trying to care for somebody making bad decisions doesn't work you know so it wasn't until I truly committed myself to God uh three years prior no five years prior to us being together that I really started to see things just shift in my life right I just started to see like that uncertainty and that unknowing feeling really started to settle and I didn't know what it meant honestly but I knew like things started to open up and I was like okay this this is what this is what it's about right you commit yourself and then you commit yourself to his mission and then things started to get in place so I went back to school uh get get my master's um and, and really just pursuing that but it wasn't just the pursuit of career for me it was the spiritual connection to the career that I had that's like what really gave me fulfillment so as I grew in my practice and I as I grew in my profession I really started to see the reflection in myself, right? So uh, I remember one time I wrote this like 40 page paper on um, self-identity and it was just exposing all of the themes and, and stuff that came to form my identity from single parent home, um, just being alone by myself, even though I had brothers and sisters in Newark. Um, and then going from that space to now in high school, having uh, growing up with four cousins, just having the love of brothers and how much of an impact they had on me and then playing sports. What does sports do for me? So um, right now I'm somebody who is grounded in my faith. 
Um, I'm grounded in my devotion to my wife, to my son. Um, and just like really, I'm, I'm just, I'm thirsty for knowledge and growing. Um, I prayed uh, for God to give me wisdom like seven years ago. And that's all as I feel like it's been coming my way. Just wisdom, just understanding myself and understanding uh, uh, to a to a point how the world works and how I where I meet, you know, where I'm at in the world. So that I would say that's defined really who I am today. Just devoted to my devoted to God, devoted to my family, and just trying to give the best of me to the world. How about you, Dana? So it's, it's interesting because I would say, you know, when Tim and I met and I said, oh, you know, I wasn't really looking for a commitment or anything like that. Part of that was just not being in a space where I wanted to be vulnerable um, and having relationships where it was crazy, right? Because me or the other person or both um, and just really wanting a lot of freedom, <laughs> just appreciating my freedom and and growing out of that. And, and sort of what, you know, Tim was speaking to about wanting, you know, I, I mentioned this before, I always had a plan, I always had a thing I was going to do next. And the, the shift for me was letting go of that idea of, I have a plan, this is what I'm going to do and saying, God, what do you have for me? Right. So, um, and being like, I might not know what that looks like, but I'm okay with it because I know anything God has for me is good. And so that, that was a major shift for me to stop planning, to stop shutting myself off to being vulnerable and holding on to my freedom and knowing that I could let go and let God, right? And so that's a space where, it, you know, when Tim and I got back together, there was absolutely no reason for that to happen. Absolutely no reason. We were we were in two very different places. Um, as much as I had, you know, loved him in the past, I was sort of resigned to the fact that he was in a different place and probably happy and I was going to be happy for him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we came back together and I, I really know that that's because we were both in a space where God was saying, you know, he planted that seed very early on. It didn't work out. But when we came back to God, he put us back together. And so I think that that shifted our relationship and it shifted my, my mindset and my heart in a lot of ways because I stopped holding on to my idea of what our relationship should look like, um, how we should treat each other, how we should be, and really just learning more about how to put God first and then put your husband next you know so that that's been a big shift for me and it's still a growth you know it's a work in progress um I am a super introverted person <laughs> um super super introverted I could spend days and days <laughs> by myself and be just fine and and Tim is somebody who is is the opposite he likes to, he likes companionship he likes to be close um and so it's us finding that balance for each other um because it's, it's this idea of staying true to who you are but knowing that you're one with another person and so how do you become how do you come together and become one with that person but still maintain yourself so that's a constant it's a work in progress absolutely so Allison who are you now I would say I'm definitely someone who is attempting to like unpack a lot of the the toxic behaviors that I've picked up over the years and things that I've learned that just need to be unlearned. I know we've talked about 
how I probably needed a break in between those two relationships and just not understanding how I was carrying a lot of that trauma into this relationship. At this point, I'm working really, really hard to just let go of a lot of that stuff and really trying to undo just a lot of the trauma that that I've I've sort of held on to um, and been able to say that, you know, like this was at that point in my life, I was a victim and, you know, these are the things that were done to me. And I'm, I'm hoping that at this point, I don't know, I'm, I'm eager to grow into a better wife and to understand what that means and also not lose myself in that. It's, it's just a, a balance and trying to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I definitely co-signed the work. Like you've definitely done the work. We've had, oh my gosh, so many very difficult, very hard conversations in our relationship. I would say, especially over the past like year or two, as both of us are doing the work to undo things that we've done forever or that we've internalized or that we thought were us, but you know, really weren't. They were just manifestations of trauma, right? Like, you know, I was smoking weed for 18 years and then now I'm on this sober path. And I thought forever I was a pothead, but in reality, I was just a traumatized person that used weed to deal with those things. And so it's work, man. You know, who am I today? I'm still a wild boy. Like that probably won't change. You know, Allison and I joke, I feel bad for our kids because then our grandkids, because, you know, they're going to have to wrangle me at 80. I'm going to be out here still wilding at 80. Um, you know, ain't nothing going to change. I'm still the same dude. But that wildness is also within the confines of understanding that my actions have wide ranging ramifications for my family uh, and that I respect our relationship and I respect my wife in such a way that I won't do things that I know will adversely affect us or her. Whereas when we first got together, that wasn't even in my frame of mind. That wasn't even my thought process, right? Like I was just doing me. And Tim, you mentioned the homies, like I had real toxic homeboys back in the day. And so I was running with goons. I was running with dudes that was cheating on their girls. I was running with people that really didn't care. And so when I'm with them, and it wasn't until much later on that Allison actually was like, yo, I'm cool with you not being cool with them no more. Cause like they wasn't doing nothing for you. And I never even realized that was what was actually happening. And so, you know, where I am now, I'm supported by and surrounded by people like yourself that are real righteous people, that are good people, that are doing the right thing, that care about the community, that care about their partners, that care about their family, that are looking at legacy in a positive way and are looking to positively affect change all around them. And so, you know, I use my wild boy antics as a means to draw attention to things that really matter, right? Because, and then you mentioned being an introvert. I told myself I was an introvert for years and people always like, man, you bugging, like, how is that even true? And so I don't know, maybe I am, maybe I, I'm not, I could spend time and be alone, but then I get outside the house and I'm talking to literally everybody. So I guess I'm not an introvert. It, what's the, Tim, is there an introvert, extrovert mix? Like, <laughs> what's the diagnosis? Maybe I'm just out of my mind. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, who I am today is very much so because of my wife, because of the fact that she's held me accountable and held the mirror up at times when I was doing too much and, and, and told me how me doing too much or me not doing enough was affecting her, specifically her mental health. Um, and like, I, I never want to be that abusive person. And, but you can like, sometimes you realize through self-reflection that you have been that person accidentally, right? That when you don't show up or you don't support in the right way that like, yo, 
I am actually adversely affecting this beautiful black woman who I never want to do that to. And so I tell people all the time, you know, I am who I am because of my mother, because of my father, because of my wife, and because of the fact that I was blessed by God. Um, and, you know, those four components I carry with me and I, I try to make sure that I represent in a positive way because I know what I came from and where I came from. Um, and I know that I'm never trying to go back to who that person was or go back to that place because, you know, that that person and that place I came from was supremely negative and supremely misguided and, you know, rooted in, in trauma and rooted in, in past experiences that were meant to ruin me. But in fact, God allowed to build me up into somebody better. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me just, I just want to sit for it with, the, with this for like one <laughs> minute, because I think um, Allison, she she said a couple things that really I think is really valuable for our listeners. One of the first things she said, and you said as well, you came out of situations that were toxic and traumatic, right? So the ownership, as far as recognizing that those situations were not good situations, it helped you to build awareness to how you manage and how you move through your marriage. Right. And so one of the things that um, in the model I use is called dialectic behavior therapy. One of the one of the components of dialectics is interpersonal effectiveness, right? And so it's the ability to number one recognize within yourself where you are within the relationship, and right, and recognizing that what you bring should be things that um, have a component of self awareness and awareness of the other. So when you talk about the awareness of the other, it's not just saying that the way I perceive, the way I'm experiencing my partner is the only way that, uh, it's the main way that my relationship is moving. It's like, no, there's two things going on. There's the internal conversation, the internal stuff that you're going through or that you have been going through. And then is the external, the actual reality of you and your partner's experience with each other. That's one of the things that I talk to um, when I'm in uh, therapy with couples is, is really being explicit, right? One of the things that we struggle with, and I think it's people, but I would say also uh, in a Black community, it's just really taking the stance of being explicit about what we're saying and what we're meaning, as opposed to assuming my partner knows or should know what I'm saying, what I mean, right? So if, we're really, if I'm really clear with what my intentions are, if I'm really clear with what my desires are, my partner has the ability to respond in the right way not the right way but can respond exactly to how i'm feeling as opposed to making me making assumptions and then uh, the, assuming my partner knows what i need or knows what i want and then missing and then not getting upset about it right so if there's certain aspects of coming out of a toxic abusive relationship that mal didn't know about then mal could have been doing those things unknowingly and, and really repeating Allison's experience. But I think it's important that the, the thing that you said you guys did along for a while was really communicated. And that was something that I would say with me and Dana, that we really have that. I know for me, I'll speak for me because I have, I have a tendency to have very negative internal conversations with myself. And that's part of my um, insecurities, right? So I will make up a whole situation that's not true at all, uh, how Dana did an injustice to me right that was something i used to do a lot and from what i what i've done now is i have the ability to dismiss a lot of things but things that really bother me i make sure i communicate it to her and then when i communicate it to her she understands what i'm going through she's like she's aware then she can let me know 
as far as like what she intended or or what she did not intend. And, and for me, it is, it's always a healing feeling. So weird. We don't argue a lot, but when we argue, it's heavy. It's real, real heavy. And it's because something's not right. But it's like when we when we um, get on the same page, yo, it's like it's like it's starting all over again. And when I say starting all over again, it's like a brand new feeling of our relationship being in a, those beginning stages. We'll talk about that when a flame dwindles and how do you like sustain that? But like that being on that that same pace, that sense of togetherness, it's a beautiful feeling. However, if you're not having those conversations, those explicit conversations with your partner, it can leave you on an island. So I appreciate the fact that you guys really do communicate that you've owned the fact that you were not in good situations and that you communicated through to make sure you don't repeat it again. So I appreciate that. And I mean, to be real, like, let's let's keep it 100. We spent, what, nine or 10 of the 12 years together talking at each other, right? Because yeah. Allison and I are very different people in a lot of, like, key places, even how we communicate, how we want to be communicated to, how we want to be loved. And so, you know, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, all right, let me be real with the listeners because I don't want people to think that, yeah, we just mastered this. We just got this down. Like, nah, we had to go to couples therapy. We had to have tough conversations with ourselves and with each other. Like we spent most of our relationship, like the want, want from the peanuts, yo. Right. Like she would be talking to me and I'm like, I don't even like how she's talking right now. I'm not even paying no attention to the words coming out of her mouth. She's talking crazy right now. And, you know, Allison, like she would she would say in the early I'm not a, I'm not an arguer. Like, I don't really believe in that. Like, you know, and so we would be having disagreements or uh, uh, what she call it, the um, the, a debate. And I'm like, are we arguing like this ain't no debate? <laughs> a debate means we could come to amicable terms at the end. Like, nah, we really wolfing in the crib. Like, and so, you know, the communication piece is still a work in progress. And, you know, what I had to realize, and I'm sure we'll get into deeper as we progress through this, I had to learn how to love my wife. And that was the thing that probably changed our trajectory on my side the most is that I had to learn how Allison wanted to be loved. And I meant asking questions, not assuming, because, you know, as a black dude, as a man, I'm told like, listen, all, all women, the same, like you do this, you do that. That's, and so one of our couples therapy sessions, Allison was like, yo, you just checking boxes. You're not really doing it. And I'm, I was offended, bro. When she said that I was offended. I'm like, wait, I'm not running the streets. I'm not out here wilding. But that doesn't matter if I'm not loving her the way that she needs to be loved. If I'm not communicating in a way that is she's receptive to, I might as well be out here in a club wilding and doing all of these things. And so I wanted to straighten that first. Like, you know, Allison and I have had to do a lot of work and continue to do the work because, yeah, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking at each other and allowing those past traumas to dictate how we dealt with this person in this moment. I was reminded of how somebody did X, Y, and Z back in the day. So now I'm going to treat you like you did me like that. And Tim, like you said, creating these false narratives, it just wasn't real. You know what I mean? You know what I appreciate about what you're saying, Miles, is doing the work, right? Because what you and Allison, which it probably happens with a lot of people, your toxic relationship was with somebody else. But our toxic relationship was with each other. Mm. And so when you think about um you know holding on to stuff you say you had baggage from another relationship why baggage from our relationship <laughs> he had baggage from our you know so it takes a lot whether it's with somebody else or the person you're currently with 
to unpack that and make sure you're not continuing to bring that in the space. And I think, you know, for us, it was important. One of the first things that we, we did when we got back together was we started to look for a church together. That was our first, that was actually the first decision we made when we started seriously dating again as a couple was let's find a church that we both can go to because we both were attending somewhere it was we weren't going to continue going there together so we were blessed enough to find a pastor where you know everybody you go to a church everybody has their focus right and at our church marriage is our pastor's focus and so we were able to get into coupling um, couples counseling with him and before we got married and it helped us to unpack a lot of that stuff that um, really probably both of us would have held on to from what we had been doing to each other and with other people prior to getting back together. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, one of the things that sometimes is really difficult to do is open up your relationship to a third party because it's, it's hard enough to be honest just with the person you're trying to be with and now you want to add another layer to it. Um, but it is, it can be so, it, it is there, that person is there for a reason, right? To like create a safe space for you to get some of that stuff out. And it is, it is always a work in progress. It's not a thing where it's like, oh, we talked about that. It's over with. Um, because next thing you know, something will happen and you're like, oh, that looks just like what you used to do when, you know, so it's very important to, again, that communication piece, but always also not being afraid to open up your relationship to, to somebody who, who wants to make it healthier, right? Who wants to help you make it healthier. I, I think, especially as women, I don't know what y'all do, but I know as soon as something happens, I'm on the phone with my best friend, like, guess what this day? I can't believe, you know? And so I, that's something that is, I have to remind myself, sometimes it's okay to vent, but I had to remind myself to go back and not let that fester or feel like, oh, I got it out with my homegirl. I have to talk to my husband about it because I don't want that to continue to be something that then, festers and grows and he has no clue so you know I think I, I appreciate that you all had the experience of like going to therapy going to couples counseling because it's so important um, and it helps you work through things that sometimes you don't even know is there so I, I think um, we're in a good space to talk about how does your partner show up when you're not a good you're not in a good emotional space and this came to mind for me because um, emotional spaces or emotional states can be tied to so many different aspects in our lives, right? So then I've been married five years. Um, one of the things that we we had to get on the same page on was our finances. Like how do we, ma we manage money? Totally different, right? We had to really come together with how we manage money. And it was one of the, and for me, just being honest it's it's probably the hardest aspect of our marriage and it's because I have insecurities about how I managed my finances when I was playing ball right so I had a little I had a little change it wasn't a heavy bag but it was a little light joint and living that lifestyle I, I ran through right I ran through all the money I had I made bad decisions I didn't make horrible decisions but I made the kind of decisions that that you know is Tristan's called keeping up with the Joneses. I was trying to keep up, you know. <laughs> I I was I was making league memo, but my part my uh my boy was here was making like three point five, you know. And so I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to go tap for tap, and I developed bad habits around my money. And prior to that, for me, I didn't have any foundation. My 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 mom didn't teach me about money, right? I had no foundation of how money works. 
And so I felt really insecure for a long time around my finances. And so one of the things that I had to do was humble myself and saw Dana had, she had a way of, of managing money that I needed to, to, to listen to. And emotionally, it was so hard, y'all. It, it really was because I felt my inadequacies showed up so much. I was supposed to be the quote unquote bread, breadwinner. I was supposed to know how to manage the finances, all of these uh, stereotypical things that I don't know who put them on me. I just own them. I really don't know where they came from because I didn't have a dad to say, yeah, this is what, how you do it. I just own these things out of nowhere. And so emotionally, um, when, it came to, when it comes to finance, it was really hard for me. But I had to humble myself. And how, how does your partner show up for you when you're not in a good emotional space? So um, I'll start with um, you, Dana. How do, how do I show up for you when you're not in a good emotional space? That's a better question. How do you see me showing up when you're not in a good emotional space? One of the things I appreciate that you do is you recognize that I'm not in a good space. <laughs> uh, like I said, because I'm, I'm introverted, I tend to, to like keep to myself about a lot of things. Well, I share a lot, but it's not always just all my feelings if I'm not in a good space. So I, I appreciate that you notice and you recognize it. And if I need space, you give me space. What's important for me is when I when I do want to talk stuff out, that you're a good listener and you give good feedback, that I value your perspective, but that you also know me well enough to know that I may or may not listen to it. <laughs> So I think that's one of the things that, you know, we, we probably have had a couple of debates about that because I think when I open myself up and then Tim gives me advice, sometimes like, well, I told you what to do. How come you're doing this other thing? And I was like, I just asked for your advice. It doesn't mean I'm going to take it. Me asking you for advice or letting you in when something is going on, it doesn't take away from you when I go a different direction or make a different decision. And that's important for me. So um, I think we're getting better at that. So I'm a cancer, right? I'm a very emotional, emotionally driven person. And I've I've definitely moved from the space of where I used to want to be in Dana's space all the time. And I felt like the only way you can show love is to be snuggled up, snuggled up, kissing and saying, I love, like I was a boo-hoo all day. And I would get so upset when she needed space. But one of the things that I've come to recognize in myself is I'm a moody dude. I have very, very weird moods. There's like, I've, I, you know, and so for, for me, one of the things that I noticed that, that, that I appreciate about Dana is when I'm in a mood and I usually, I, I pride myself on because I'm a therapist. So, you know, I have this kind of like false facade of a therapist being the person who can really support themselves right so I get to these spaces and I'm 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 always analyzing myself what's going on with you bro like what what was really good what you really upset about and so when I get to that point of I need to talk to Dana when I come to her when I'm not in a good emotional space the thing that I really had to grow and this is deep I had to grow in the space of like her not coddling me you know what I mean? Like when I come to her for something, like I'm expecting, I used to expect, oh, you know, like come here and put your head on my on my shoulder. Let me let me rub the side of your face. It'll be okay. And there's that too. But like if I'm if I come to her with, with a situation that's really bothering me or upsetting me, 
and she presented some feedback or some like some some stuff where she's like, no, nah, you played a part in that joint. I used to get really upset. Like, yo, you're supposed to be on my team. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? But but every time, and I will say this with, with full, full confidence, every time I go and sit with myself and I sit with what she said to me, I say she was right. And I'd be mad as hell, yo. Like she was right about that joint. And then, but I appreciate it because she's she's not the person who's gonna coddle me, right? That's my wife. My wife, she she can do it, she can snuggle up, she wants to do it once in a while, but she not every time I'm I'm I'm, I'm going through something, she's not going like, you know, oh, they was wrong, this and that. No, she's really gonna give me honest feedback. And emotionally, it's important for me because I need that balance. I need um, that person to keep it, keep it a hundred with me and, and keep me honest. And that's what she does for me. So when I'm in those emotional spaces, those emotional states, I, I know I can come to her, even though sometimes I want to hear the answer, she's going to give me an honest answer. And sometimes it can be aligned with, yeah, you were right. Or sometimes it can be you were wrong. Or, or sometimes she can lift me up, right? So, because sometimes I do need lifting up, right? I spend a lot of time really trying to encourage and affirm others. And sometimes I need that, but then she won't do it when I when I um, expect it, she'll do it when I don't expect it. And that's what I really appreciate. Like it's not, it's not lip service when it comes organically like that. So I think that's the main thing. She keeps me honest, but then she can also lift me up when I need it. So uh, Allison, how about you? How, did, how, did, how does mouth show up when you're not in a good space emotionally? <laughs> Let me tell you about this brother now. He's, um, that's, so I feel like that's one of the things that we've had to learn about each other is, is how to show up. And I am someone, you know, like he said, I, I like to debate. I argue for sport. I'm an actor. So I'm a storyteller. I have to vent. I have to get things out. Like I, I can come home and go on like a 20 minute straight rant about work, about the commute home, about everything. I just like, I have to get it out. And he's done an amazing job of just being that sounding board. And he does a great job of checking in like, okay, so is this just a venting session or do you, do you want feedback? Do you want to talk this through? And I appreciate that so much because sometimes it is just a venting session. I just need your ears. But other times, you know, if you've ever gone to Malcolm with with an issue or a problem, he can talk you through it, um, or at least get you to a space where you can figure things out. So yeah, he just, he, I feel like is very in tune with what my needs are in the moment and, and isn't afraid to ask if he's not. I always tell him that the room that I'm sitting in right now is where I do all of like my grad school work right now. And there are sometimes I hear him coming up the stairs and I'm like, please knock on the door, please knock on the door. And if he knocks on the door, I'm like, okay, things are, things are all right. He comes in, he checks on me and yeah, it's just very present. And I, I appreciate that. Mal, how about you? Yo, I was over here sweating bullets when you asked this question. I'm like, yo, she about to expose the kid. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I haven't always been great because I misconstrued. Well, first, I want to say something. Shout out to Rachel Modica Russell, because I used to work with her at Uncommon Schools. And I remember one day I used to work from the cafeteria because it's always hard to find space in the work from in that regional office. And so we had a conversation roughly about six years ago. And so we were talking and we both talked about how like our wives would come to us 
and talk. And Rachel was like, I had to learn how to differentiate between, and I apologize, Rachel, if you listen to this, I don't remember your wife's name, but she was like, I had to learn when my wife just wanted me to listen versus when my wife wanted me to give feedback. And when she said that, joint went right and it was like ching ching like keep that for later brother because you need to learn that skill you are terrible at that and so you know i give mad respect to rachel for that because that sort of started the process for me of learning to differentiate because i'm so used to workshopping people's problems throughout my life that when people come to me with an issue i'm like i right, boom we about to work through it i'm gonna hit you with some feedback we're gonna get you going in a direction and a lot of times allison wasn't looking for that she just needed somebody to listen and then at first I misconstrued it as just complaining. And, you know, I don't really like when people complain around me. Like, I feel like that's negative energy. I want that to dissipate and go away. We gotta be positive and focus on the bright side of things so we could keep moving in the right direction. And so, you know, I used to, I used to tune her out, yo. Um, she would be talking at me and I'd tune around playing 2K, I'm smoking big butt. I'm not listening to a word out of my wife's mouth. And eventually it, it dawned on me that I was doing a terrible job of being a partner. And so I had to then learn like, okay, A, be present. She mentioned it to me. So I try to turn my body to orient towards her when she's talking to me. I try to make consistent eye contact. I, it ain't just that, mm-hmm, yep, I heard you. Oh, no, she didn't. Like that kind of feedback that I feel like a lot of dudes try to get into the muscle memory of because, you know, sometimes it'd be the same story. So you could kind of, you know, what the, uh, no, she didn't say that to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, really being present and intentional in the moment and listening. And like she said, I'll ask her like, okay, baby, before, like it'll get to a point where I'm, I'm formulating how I'm gonna respond. I'm like, okay, hold on. Ask her straight, like, okay, do you want me to give you feedback versus do you want me to just listen? And so the question wasn't about this. The question is, how does she show up for me? So excellent, man. Um, you know, my wife loves me in such a way that for a really long time, I didn't know how to take it. And I apologized to her a couple of months ago as like I'm making this transformation towards being a better person, being more cognizant and aware of my actions and the actions of those around me that I apologized to her and I hugged her and I told her like, yo, you love me in such a way that it scared me, yo because I've never really been loved like this by another person that wasn't my mom's or my pops, right? Like just period, like I had great parents. And so outside of them, most people don't love on me the way my wife does. And so, you know, Tim, you mentioned being moody. I'm hella moody, bro. Especially when I was on the bud because it was a mood deregulator. When I thought it was regulating things, it was actually deregulating things. So it was throwing me into these different pivots of times where I don't, I would spend a week not talking to my wife. And you know, that back when I said I was, I didn't mean to be abusive, but was, that's the times I'm talking about. And she told me, yo, when you do that to me, it adversely affects me mentally. And it never checked in, but you know, she will always be there for me. If I want to talk, my wife shows up. If I don't want to talk, she'd be like, okay, um, I'll give you space. I've had to learn to communicate those things to her so that she knows versus having a guest. Cause you know, I, she's not a mind reader. She's not a psychic. So if I don't tell her, there's really no way for her to know. So Allison shows up tremendously for me. Dana, you mentioned asking for advice, but not taking it. That was something I used to really, really, really grate my nerves about Allison, yo. Like I give her advice and she do the whole polar opposite. I'm like, what you doing, yo? We talked about this for a while long. You did the whole other thing. What happened? I learned that she's her own person. And I love that about her. That my wife is not a robot that I program and then goes and does what I want her to do. She is a fully autonomous, fully individually thinking person and she'll make her own decisions and she'll live with the outcomes if it's wrong, right? And she'll come back to me like, yeah, you told me to do this. I did that. It didn't really work out. 
my bad homie. And like, we talk about that and we've built on that. And so, you know, I just appreciate Allison and just the way that she loves me and the way that she supports me because it's very foreign to me. And it's something that made me afraid previously because I didn't know how to handle it because it, it was just, it was just so real and so surreal that, you know, I tried to run from it um, as opposed to running towards it and being embraced by it. This is the Mind Your Mentals podcast featuring Tim and Mal. I'm, I'm hoping our listeners, our, our Black lovers are really listening to the intention that was shared in, in, around that question because miscommunication, misinterpretation, <laughs> that can lead a lot of situations down the wrong path. And so listening, you know, that's the first thing, um, being aware, you know, being aware, not tuning your partner out, that's critical. Right. And then not assuming that is about feedback, but sometimes it's just about listening. And another time it's about feedback. So part of that is being able to have the mind to actually just listen, be in that space and um, give feedback when needed. And that's a that's a working process. That's a muscle memory. Right. It's not easy to sit and listen to somebody, especially if you're the type of person who's on a go and all the time and you're not really trained in that. So that takes practice, right? So that's something that I would say for, for myself as well, like that that's it's part of what I do. But when it comes to your partner, you shift your mindset as opposed to like working with a with a client, right? But I have to make sure that I value listening to my wife sometimes more than I do with the people that I work with. And not to say that I'm not gonna listen to them less, but I really have to emphasize and make sure that I'm in a good space to listen when she wants me to listen. And that's something that it's the work in progress is not perfected. And I think that's a really valuable point for, for folks listening. It's like, there's no perfection here, right? We are growing and what's important now may not be just as important five, 10 years late down the line, but there's these fundamentals and that's what's leading to my next question. There's these fundamental and foundational aspects of I would say our relationships that no matter what time within our marriage, we're, we're still young in our marriages, right? Let's be honest, five, six years, still young, but there's these foundational components that we really have agreed upon within our marriage, right? And so the next question I have is, how does your partner meet your expectations, right? I guess it's a, it's a two-part question. This is um, the first part is, what are your expectations of your partner and how did your partner meet your expectations? Right. So let's start with uh, Mal. Let's start with you. How did your partner meet your expectations and what are your expectations? Let's start there. That's such a complex question, right? Yeah. Because when I think about when we first got married six years ago and what my expectations were, I had somebody recently ask me, what were you looking for in a wife? And I was dead. I have no clue. Like I knew that I had an excellent woman that I was with it was time for us to get serious and take our relationship to the next level. But I had no criteria of what a wife was supposed to be, right? Like I didn't grow up in a home where my parents were married. So that wasn't a checklist, right? You know, I really, Mr. and Mrs. Marshall, I'm so grateful to them. Uh, my Aunt Alice and my Uncle Wayne, you know, I had a couple marriages and relationships that I could look at, but Aunt Alice and Uncle Wayne, they do their thing, right? Like, Mr. and Mrs. Marshall, they do their thing. And so when I looked at all of these, Mr. and Mrs. Ahern, when I looked at these relationships, they were all drastically different. They were married. That was the only thing they had in common, but how they managed their marriages were drastically different. And so, you know, I had no criteria. I had no expectation. I think over time it evolved into really understanding, but then I was here. 
right? It never was the part of like, okay, now let me give these expectations. Let me talk about what I expect in return. I just assume because we have been together so long that we were on the same page and that's back to that communication component. And so at this point, you know, I expect that, that we monogamous, that we're in this together. We're not searching for things outside of our relationship that we should be searching for within ourselves and within each other, that when the, the times get rough, that we turn to each other and not against or away from one another, that, you know, when we have an issue that we can hash it out, even if it means that we got to yell and, and want want at each other for a second, but then know that we have to circle back and have a real conversation about how we move forward. And more than anything that like, we continue to talk, um, because that communication, that talking part to me is imperative. I've spent a lot of time inside of my mind and not communicating externally. And so at this point, I have to make sure whatever my expectations have continued to evolve into that I'm updating Allison so that she's not thinking, okay, I'm meeting these expectations, but these were expectations from three or four years ago or three or four months ago. Right. And now what I need from you is something different, but I never told you that's the worst thing. And, you know, I'm sitting here with educators, with people that, that work with kids, you know, that if you don't communicate expectations to the, to the pinpoint accuracy, that those children will not follow it. Well, you can extrapolate that to adults as well, right? If we're not telling people what we need and exactly how we need it, and then they fall short of the expectation, that was on us. That's not on them. Um, and so I had to learn to take responsibility for me either not communicating or miscommunicating those expectations. And then when Allison didn't follow through, it's not because she didn't want to or didn't see the necessity in it. She just didn't know. Um, and so like for me, that's the evolution of this is that you just have to be very clear and concise and make sure that that person understands and you speak to them in a way that they can then internalize it and learn how to move with it. Allison, how about you? I feel like coming into this, I was expecting my own father. Mm. I was expecting the marriage that my parents have. And like Malcolm said, like it was, these were expectations that I just assumed we were on the same page, that there was no real communication of like, what is this marriage going to look like? Um, I think we both have many of the same values, like, you know, fidelity and honesty and monogamy. We're, we're on the same page with those major things, but that is so nuanced that, yeah, I, I had a whole set of expectations that just... I didn't communicate. And so now at this stage, I think we know what our marriage looks like, what we want it to look like. And I mean, my expectations really are still honesty, communication, staying faithful. And those are all things that, you know, he meets um, the communication piece we're still working on, but, but those are all things that, that he meets. And this has sort of been a lesson in just not, not every marriage is going to look the same. Um, marriage doesn't have to look the same across the board. You can sort of iron out your own rules, whatever works for the individuals in the marriage, that's all it has to work for. And so I think that we are doing our best to, to make this look like what both of us want. So um, I would say, yeah, definitely those major key points. Malcolm absolutely meets my expectations and, and I can only hope that I continue to meet his. Um, it was funny. So when you talked a little bit more about what the question meant, I went back to this note I have in my phone. And there were a couple of things that came up that reminded me of when we started our marriage, our couples counseling before we got married. One of the things that our pastor said to us was, leave your past culture behind and marriage is about creating your own culture and your own safety net 
Um, it's not going to look like what your friend's marriage looks like, your, your parent, what you grew up watching. And, and I think when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that's good, right? Because this is this idea of like, I don't have to, I'm not going to read this book and, or, you know, what Essence always is highlighting some celebrity couple. And I'm like, oh, is that my marriage is going to look like? You have this opportunity to not worry about what everybody else thinks a marriage should look like and knowing that you have a unique relationship and and it's really just about you and your partner is not about anybody else and so I don't know where this list came from I don't remember when we made this list but I kept it at some point it might have been our first anniversary we were trying to do something cute I don't know um <laughs> but we made a list of our top 10 needs and I still have his needs and my needs and it's funny because every once in a while I go back to it and I think about am I doing these things and I don't know how good you know I would say there's one of the downfalls of being an introvert is that you tend to not think a lot about yourself and not think a lot about other people um and so I have to constantly remind myself <laughs> that I'm in a marriage and I can't just be like, I'm going to just do what I want. I don't care what's in, you know, I have to constantly remind myself it's always a work work in progress for me of tending to the needs of my husband because it's not my natural inclination. Even, you know, we've known each other for almost 20 years. It's still not just that's in me. And it's it's in some people. Like you're just a very giving person. You're always looking out. Um, I have to remind myself that if I don't, if I'm not thoughtful about it, it's not going to come out just that in that way. So I have to constantly remind myself of, and I can't do all 10, but I feel like, oh, let me really focus on number five and six, you know, this week. But I think, you know, Michael, one of the things you said, I'm thinking about, hmm, I can't remember actually when we made the list. And now I'm like, dang, I wonder if we were to do it again, you know, with his needs and my needs be any different in terms of like what's really important to us. So, you know, it's just, it's not something we've actually talked about, I think explicitly um, recently, but I do think that's important because you can, you know, like you said, it could be three, four years later, it could be three, four months later where you're thinking about, you know, what do you need right now in this moment? Dana, thanks for that. And, and Mal and Allison, thanks as well. Yeah, I would say, as far as my expectations. Uh, so definitely that's the one thing I'm realizing. <laughs> we, we made that list maybe almost five years ago now and I cannot remember what's on that list, right? <laughs> and, that, and that's just being honest because that's at the time, that's what you're thinking. But the reality is I think the, from, for Dana and I, the, the things that I hold dear is our, our values, the pillars that we stand our, our marriage on. And the, the number one thing is we put God first. That's that, and, and that's how we start. So we put God first and we make sure we put each other after that. And um, all that comes with that is our commitments that we made in the beginning of our marriage. You know, uh, trust, faithfulness, commitment, honesty. One of the things that our pastor told us early, and this helps me when I'm really in one of my moods and I'm really in one of my blaming Dana situation, our pastor, Pastor Terry told us, he said, when you're in that space, he said, you need to remind yourself that she is not your enemy. And I need to remind her that I am not her enemy, right? So the, a lot of times when you talk about feeling injustice that's done to, to, to ourselves from somebody else, we got to win, right? I've gotten so over the idea of trying to win battles or arguments with Dana because nine times, 10, nine times out of 10, I'm going to lose. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to work out as far as being in my favor with the argument or the, the debate, but uh, I more value trying to get to a space of understanding, right? A, a space of where she can understand my perspective and I can understand hers. So that's more important to me than actually trying to win or feeling like I need to make her know that she was wrong for doing something. Perfect example. I'm going to bring up something that happened just the other day. I had to get some, it was a, uh, what was it? The We got, we got an indoor ninja grill or something, right? So, and this is real, right? <laughs> so we got a little step ladder joint and she wanted me to get the thing or she wanted me to look for some up top. Like we got these high cover high shelves. And so, you know, I'm a husky dude, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the ladder is it, it, built to handle 300 pounds. I'm not 300 pounds, you know what I mean? But it's built to handle up to 300 pounds. So she didn't open it all the way. It was halfway open. Yo, I stepped on that joint <laughs> and my foot went through the joint. I was about to, I had a heart attack in the middle of the joint. And, and she was like, she was laughing, straight laughing. She couldn't stop laughing. And yo, I got so mad. <laughs> I was like, why are you laughing? I could have cut myself, I got to broke my ankle. Could've... But she couldn't stop laughing. First of all, but, no, wait, but let's just say this. Uh -huh. I did check to see if he was okay first. And then she laughed. And I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I one of the things that I've kind of know about my wife is she has a very nervous laugh in situations. Humor is the way how she can express herself when some situations really are like, you know, they can be bad, but they're not really bad. She did check for me. And I say all that to say. I know that Dana wasn't laughing at the fact that I could have been hurt, right? She was just her natural reaction. I could have took that situation because I was I was heated for a minute, but I could have took that situation. It could have it could have um, snowballed into a bigger thing, right? But I know her intentions, right? So I know she's not my enemy. I know she's not trying to laugh at me getting hurt or want to see me get hurt. And I was able to process that with myself. So those expectations of I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. Our commitment under our commitment of Christ is our priority. And that because that's what keeps us really balanced. That's what keeps our foundation rocking and, and solid. You know, when things come up that try to threaten our marriage, because that's a reality. Situations do come up, whether it's external or whether it's internal that try to threaten and, and break your union. And speaking spiritually, we, we understand that there's spirit, things spiritually that, that want to disrupt union and harmony. And so we don't allow that by making sure we, we keep our eyes focused on God and we keep our eyes focused on each other. But then there's this other component that's really important to me. And that's this idea of being equally yoked, right? So you talk about the ox carrying a thing that the, the water or carrying the bags, it has to be an evenly yoked ox, right? It has to be where there's balance. And that's something that's really important to me. And she provides the balance that I need. And so that that's that's what I, I I do believe that she definitely meets my expectations and those are my expectations. Just making sure there's balance, making sure that we keep in um, Christ our our priority and then focusing on each other and uh, all those things that come with commitment, you know, monogamy, all of those things that are that don't need to be said, but we do make sure we say them explicitly. This is the Mind Your Mentals podcast featuring Tim and Mal. I hope. And we hope that this has been valuable um, information. We, we, we're, not, we're not marriage counselors. We're not here trying to advise others on their situation. <clears throat> we're just sharing their experience of two couples that 
have gone through it, have gone through it ups and downs, but are still here and are still hopelessly in love with each other. And it's just a beautiful thing to see, just see continuing that, that transparency, that honesty with each other. So that's what we just hope that these, some of these concepts and some of these thoughts just, you know, land somewhere with our listeners. So wrapping up, we want to just ask the next question. What are you hopeful for in your marriage or in the future? What are you hopeful for? And so I think Dana and I can start. I'll start. I'm definitely hopeful this feeling that I have for my wife doesn't change. It only increases like this. I just have this feeling and it's just being honest. Sometimes I think of all possible scenarios that could go wrong in my life. It's just I'm wired that way. I don't know why. Sometimes I do. I think about death. I think about disruption. Right. However, I'm hopeful that the way I feel about my wife and the experience that we have in our marriage not only stays the same, but it elevates. Like I'm, I'm hopeful we get closer to each other. I'm hopeful we get to know each other more. We love to travel so we get to have more experiences with each other when we travel. I'm hopeful that we just continue to stay aligned and stay committed to our faith to God and our faith to each other. And I'm just, I'm really hopeful for what's next. I don't know what it is. I, I really can't tell you. Um, we are grinders. She's grinding. I'm grinding. Uh, we, we love the work we do. And so I'm just hopeful to see her excel in her career and just do all the things that she wants to do in life. So that's what, honestly what I'm hoping for. Sometimes it feels like I'm in one of those Disney um, Cinderella type situations where, you know, you can't believe <laughs> that it's true, but it's true. You know, it's true and it's real. And I'm just hopeful to, to be able to sustain it and just let it grow and elevate. That's exactly what I wanted to say. One of the things that when you think about people getting divorced or going outside of their marriage, just this idea of like growing apart, right? And you look at somebody and you're like, oh, you're not the person I married five years ago or sometimes five months. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to and I'm hopeful for us continuing to grow and grow closer to each other. And even with the amount of time that we've known each other like you said getting to know each other better having new experiences just enjoying each other more and not less as time goes on so same thing Mal, what are you hopeful for um i think i hit on it man is just the beauty of being able to continue to move forward right like you know tim similar to you i think a lot about like what are the outcomes going to be what are the things that are going to happen what what could go wrong um and i spent so much time in that what could go wrong capacity that i never really gave my chance to en enjoying the moment of where my wife and I are. But, you know, as we are planning to have children, as we want to buy a house, as we continue to talk about our future and our relationship, honestly, in a way that we never did, like, you know, full transparency for a little bit, it was almost like a lease. Like it was year to year, right? Like we were out back in. I When we signed the lease, we out back into the relationship because we got to make, I ain't breaking this lease. We ain't messing my credit up. So we in this joint for the next year, right? And so, you know, I think now, Personally, I look at this as a forever proposition that, you know, I look forward to being old with my wife, that I look forward to laughing with her and creating all of these memories that I think we sort of didn't really create because we just didn't know what was going to happen. And so, you know, I look very optimistically at our marriage and at our relationship and know that this is a safe space for us to bring a child into ultimately children and adopt and foster and all of these different things. And, you know, I, I am so happy that we're in this place because, 
in those previous times when I was looking at all of these different outcomes, many times I didn't see where we are right now. Um, and so, you know, God has been so good to me because he kept me or it kept me in a place where my wife stayed with me, even when I wasn't present, even when I wasn't intentional, even when I wasn't doing a good job of being a, a partner, you know, my wife stuck with me um, when, when I was down and bad and, and, and unsure and in a horrible place, she was right next to me. Um, and so, you know, I'm eternally grateful to her for that. And, you know, really just so optimistic, happy, overjoyed about where we're headed next. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, man. And Allison, we'll end with you. What do you hope for? for? I will say yes. And I, I'm hopeful that we will continue to find ways to experience joy together. I think that part of being two very, very different people is that we just find joy in different things. And that was maybe a, a point of contention in the beginning. We didn't want to give in to the other person's joy, but we've now been able to appreciate the the things that the other finds joyful. So I hope that we can continue to grow and find things that we, yeah, just can share together and, and continue to have fun and expand our family and find some, some security around us. Because I, I feel secure in this marriage now, but you know, there's a whole world around us. We've all had experiences. And I think that individually, we probably give folks advice, right? Like one off. I know my young boss come to me about being a married man and like, what does that mean? And so, you know, I think that we could provide some additional value in that, in that regard. So I would enjoy it if we could just give a, a quick round, round robin of advice to folks of how to be a better partner and how to get to where we find ourselves now. So I'll start. I, I think it's just the first thing is something that we all talked about today. It's just being a good listener and being intentional about listening and, and being intentional about being present. One of the things in my practice I encourage clients to do is just be in the moment. So being in the moment is not just about like living in the moment and it's just doing whatever. No, it's like really truly being present with your environment, right? When you're with your partner, you're, that's your environment. So being present, listening to your partner is so critical, is so crucial to, to helping you grow, to help you grow, help you learn more about each other, um, paying attention to each other and not dismissing each other. So those are the, those are one of the foundational things I would encourage our partners who are, are listening, who are in relationships is really work and learn how to be present, how to listen and, and how to just be there to really learn to understand your partner. All right. So that's, that's what I got. Dana, what do you have for the listeners? I think it's important to know who you are you know, as an individual and be honest with your partner about who you are and what you need, because then you can create a healthy space. You know, and I heard um, Allison say safe space, like that is so important that your relationship is a safe space and it can't be safe if you're not honest about, you know, who you are with yourself and, and then be doing that same thing with your partner. And so that would be it. Allison, any advice for our listeners? Um, I don't know that I'm the person to give advice, but yeah, I, I would say emphasize communication is just so important that assumptions don't help anyone put it out there and, and have a conversation that that would be my one piece of advice. Thanks for that. And Mal, wrap it up. Any advice for our listeners, Mal? 
Yeah, man, that the work don't stop that, you know, you continue to evolve as an individual, you continue to collectively evolve as a couple. And so for you to think that I figured this person out today doesn't mean that tomorrow, that's the same answer, right? And so be open to feedback, be receptive to feedback, ask questions, don't assume um, that communication component is the underlying foundation for the people that are married for five months versus 50 years. The 50 year mark, man, they figured out how to talk to each other and communicate with each other and share. Um, and so being willing to share, um, you know, something Allison said that we had to figure out, which was like, neither one of us wanted to acquiesce, right? Like, I'm not giving in. She's going to do it my way. I'm a, she, she said, he's going to do it my way. We figured out that we had to do it each other's way. Um, and that is some give and take. Some days we're going to watch The Office. Some days we're going to watch Always Sunny. Some days we're going to watch A Gangsta Flick. Some days we're going to watch A Lovey Boo Boo Story. Hey, man, that's love. That's what marriage is about. And so if you're serious about the person that you're with, understand it's not going to always be rainbows, right? It's going to be some hard times. It's going to be tough times. What do you all collectively and individually lean on, whether that's faith, whether that's each other, whether that's family, whether that's the future, whatever it may be, what do y'all have that you can reflect on and look back on that'll get you to that next day, to that next month, to that next year? Because it ain't easy, man. My young boys always asking me like, now, how you do it? Hard work, fool. How you do anything in life, right? Like, what y'all want me to give y'all that? Listen, we, I figured it out. I, no, bro. Everything is hard work. And so, you know, uh, I just hope that people listening, if it's black love, if it's brown love, whatever love it may be, um, if it's multiracial love, whatever love it is, love each other for real, man. And give everything that you have. And what you have, you got to keep inside your relationship. Because when you're going outside the boundaries of your relationship, you're creating dissent and distrust and, and you lack in loyalty to one another. And those are the things that ultimately will destroy you and your partner for sure. Amen. 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 Thank you to our wives for Absolutely. spending time with us. Is my check coming in the mail? Or yeah. Are you no, yeah. no, nobody getting paid. Ain't nobody getting paid. It's, this is a. a yeah. You get a hug. You know what I mean? That's it. I'm going to give my wife a hug in a second. Payment render. <laughs> Yeah, no, just uh, I personally am appreciative of you. Um, I'm appreciative of Mal and Allison and the work that we put in so far. And I think it's I think it's important people hear these stories. Right? I think it's important people hear that. No, it, it, like love is real. It works. It, it, you know, it's different. It's individual by marriage. And so what you might see that's happening in the world, it doesn't mean that's what's going to be for you what that's supposed to be for you. So I'm hoping this session really resonates with, with couples and is, you know, and it's love in general, but especially uh, we're intentional about speaking in the black community. That's, that's what Monumental is about and the impact on, uh, on the black community. And, that, and so that's why we're speaking specifically to the black community in this episode with these two relationships, these two marriages, but there's themes in here across the board for everybody. And so just, you know, listen to the concepts, the constructs and listen to the themes and hopefully take some stuff home and apply it. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. You know, I want to thank you. I want to thank Dana. I want to thank Allison, um, especially Dana and Allison, because Tim, you and I are used to the transparency of this podcast. We get on here, we talk shop, we do our thing. 
Um, but Dana Allison really brought it as our contemporaries and they were honest about their shortcomings and how they had to develop yeah. and grow over time. And that's not easy to do, right? You know, we, we asked you all to join us. Y'all made the capacity on a Sunday when y'all could have been doing anything under the sun, um, but you came and joined us and supported us on this growing podcast. Like y'all have supported us throughout our relationships. And so don't want that to escape. Piggyback what you said, Tim, about black love. Yo, this is going to look different for everybody. Don't let other people tell you how your love is supposed to look. Whatever it takes to manage your relationship within the confines of your home, keep it positive, keep it progressive, understand that come to a mutual understanding of what it takes and get the job done, man, because nobody else could do your marriage for you. People that give you the, the, the advice can't do it themselves. And so you really got to take heed of the folks that have done it and done it correctly, but then also understand you have to whittle that down and refine it through your own comprehension and understanding of your love and your relationship. And so this is another episode of the Mind Your Mentals podcast, MYM podcast. We signing out. We're looking forward to continuing to bring y'all more truth and more wisdom and more just black joy and black love as we move forward. My man, Tim, I love you, my brother. It's been a second since we got a chance to connect. But as always, we, we brought the noise for the people, man. And so, you know, I hope anyone listening to this, that you extract what you needed from it. Tune in every other Sunday to the Mind Your Mentals podcast. Stay present and stay positive. Peace. Peace. Thank you, as always, for listening to an episode of Mind Your Mentals podcast featuring Tim and Mal. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always contact us through our Gmail account at mindyourmentalspodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us through our website, mindyourmentals.com. That's M-I-N-D-Y-A-M-E-N-T-A-L-S.com. Also, please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn at Mind Your Mentals Podcast featuring Tim and Mal. On Twitter at Mind underscore Ya, that's Y-A underscore Mentals. And on Instagram at M-Y-M Podcast. As always, we really appreciate you. Stay present, stay positive, stay focused on your mental health. And if you ever need anything from us, don't hesitate to reach out.